0: Hey everyone, I'm Robbie cornthwaite I'm Daniel Mullen. I'm Angelo Costanza. am Marco Fleuris. Yeah,
1: I'm Marcelo Garusco. I'm Ian Fife. This is Casha, and you're watching. 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 And you are watching Pure Bred Reds Adelaide United Fan TV. Hello and welcome to the Pure Bred Reds Adelaide United Fan TV. I'm your host, Ellis Gelios. I'm joined in the studio today for a special update video by a member of staff at Adelaide United. It's a bit of a different sort of video that we're doing today. I'm uh, very pleased to say that I'm joined by a friend and a current, well, are we throwing friend around? In in inverted (laughs) quotations, friend uh, and the current Football Operations Coordinator at LA United, Will Cuts. Welcome to the studio, Cutsy.
0: Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. You've been trying to get me on for like
1: two years now. You're yeah, that popular with all <laughs> the podcasts you've been on that uh, you've just been resisted by the club, so...
0: Well, at some point I thought, you know, I've got to come on, uh, yeah, at some point, and we're finally here. Now, do you want me to look at the camera? Do you want me to look directly into your
1: eyes? Like, what's the deal? Am I am I looking over here? I'm assuming looking directly into my eyes might not be the most comfortable thing for you, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, 100% not. So I'll look at the camera then. Just look so at it, the, yeah. Just, the
0: chemistry might be a little bit off. Um, yeah,
1: we don't want to get too personable, because... No, but I think we should viewers just, might get a bit uncomfortable.
0: No, but I think we should just let it out there that we have been friends for a very long time. Okay. So, and I think it's easier it's for... First them, time you know, you've acknowledged
1: me as a friend in a <laughs> long time.
0: <laughs> no, but I think it is fair that we have been mates for a very long time. And you doing this show and me working at the club has always, you know, pushed the boundaries at some points at all sorts, but uh, we've, we have got a long, a long way from... And our friendship did start from Adelaide United. So yep. I think you've got some questions about that later, but I'd rather get that out um, that, that we are... Uh, we are mates. So this has made it easier but also why I've taken me a while to come on the come on the show.
1: Well, we appreciate that you've put that on the record. Yes. Um and just for the sake of the viewers as well, yeah. there will be some questions asked that are not you expressing the views of the club, more yeah. your own personal opinion. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, no. We'll so say you've you've got some questions and I'll ask you some stuff too because I I think it's really, really good um, that we have people like you doing this stuff for Thanks the mate. club um, and for Australian football. But yeah, there is some questions. And again, as always, yes, we know how that, that stuff sort of
1: works. I've got to say, I'm a bit nervous. I don't, you I don't nervous? usually get nervous in these interviews. So this is, is, it, is weird. Is, your legs are shaking a little shake-ity, bit. shakety, shakety. Look at me. And that's
0: what I said is we've got the mics though this week too, because we want to try and sort some audio stuff in uh, and there. But I said, it's good for you because now you've got something to do with your hands now. And yeah, I don't have treats. to do
1: weird things with my yeah. kneecaps anymore while Marcos Flores talks in his where do I very rank, delightful where do, accent. Yeah,
0: where do I rank in guests? Oh, I'm like say, really low? I'm going to
1: say <laughs> scrape into top 15 at least. And you've, but... had, you've
0: had 16 interviews.
1: So. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting okay. there.
0: No, no I'll, I'll cop that. And hopefully uh, we, we bring something also to you guys, the listeners. So Look, um, it's, it's a
1: very different kind I of... I know paper. your password now. <laughs> you do. You, it's, not, it's just the last six yeah. digits of my number. So. Okay. No one has that anyway. So and same for my credit card yeah. too. So if you want to... Bankrupt me of the $100 I've got. I'll I'll keep our friendship out of this sort of stuff. (laughs) Let's get into it. I'm going to ask you on your current thoughts on the state of the A-League and also the state of uh, the W-League and National Youth League because Mm -hmm. however these competitions are Mm. traveling, it's fair to say impacts your ability to do your job in the best way possible. So it's important that all these competitions are as healthy as they can be. So tell us, uh, how do you see these comps all rolling out in what is a very weird time and yeah. a, a restructured season, new dates in the calendar, and uh, and how do you rate them all at the moment, how they look? Youth League's a little bit iffy at the moment. It's probably not going to go ahead just with
0: – there's a lot of stuff with borders, and obviously a lot of the players are, are in school, and there's – Sort of like we know the restrictions we have at the moment with community sports, it's difficult in that way when they're not fully full-time professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, Youth League, it's still, still in the works um, and there's a lot of stuff changing now in the background regarding uh, different ages. What's been sort of key, Graham Arnold's been talking about that um, to try and push the age probably up a little bit for more game time. I think that's a question you've got a little bit later too, but Youth League's a little bit iffy just with timing because normally that started, give or take, soon, soon enough now. Um, and if you push that any further back, it sort of jumps into different states' NPL seasons. So it's probably best that it's just an NPL. I'll just move my phone. Um, yeah, probably best there. But A-League, everything's looking pretty healthy at the moment. Um, obviously, they're cutting between leagues and uh, FFA or just FA now. That's going to be a weird sort of change that we is. have to call it now. The
1: Australian Cup, I'm hearing, potentially. Yeah, uh,
0: they'll probably, I'm guessing, you'll sell that, uh, sell the rights to that at some point again. And maybe, yeah. Carlsberg Cup? We have something like that, Could like bring it back. What were some of the best um, FA Cups or like League Cups? Yeah, Ka- in the Carling UK? always stuck with Carling's that. a good one. Yeah. yeah. So, but from that for that respect, sort of W League, they've started training um, again now. You can see we announced a lot of our players like last month or a month before that. Even other teams are slowly announcing that sort of stuff now. Uh, but no, everything's rolling now. Everything's full steam ahead. We're a month to go. Both teams are fully kicking off and we're ready to go. So it's, it's really exciting. Awesome stuff.
1: Well yeah. said. Uh, just while we're on the youth league quickly, a bit of a yeah. curveball. You said uh, it may not go ahead because of, of an abundance of reasons. Yeah. Is that possibly a good thing, given that this league, oh. in the way that it's structured, has come under so much fire for being well. eight games long?
0: Well, from, from our point now, I think this is a, a key change in COVID now with just timelines because, like I said, normally – well, NPL season normally finishes August. So players have – if you make finals or not, September off or bits of October, come back, you play play Youth League in November, December, January. bit of January off at the end, Feb, and then NPL normally starts 14th of February, give or take, doesn't it? Yeah. So now with timelines, it has to sort of probably not get played. Um, kids need to play games. That's the most important thing. But it might be better for them in this financial year period we don't have the youth league and, and they move straight into the youth sort of MPL. So again, we know our youth boys are still like our resis are still playing. Yeah. So they've got to wait till the first to come back and train. So that's in December. When do guys get time off and, and stuff like that? I think it's still important that some of these 15, 16 year olds are playing 18
1: months straight. So they need time. But, and uh, I'm just going to put it on the record yeah. as well, that you're close to watching a lot of these players. You're uh, yeah. very involved yeah. and. uh, Quite often, you're talking about some of these names before they are mainstream. 100%. Mate. So, uh, you're very close to the ground in terms of what's going on in our youth yeah. development. Um, let's throw it all the way back. Yeah, so, back. <laughs> you've always been a sporty guy. Yeah. Uh, played plenty of sports in high school. As you uh, can see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which uh, we both went to the same school, yeah. so I was uh, lagging behind a good uh, 20 minutes. We had, to, we had some good battles, though, back in, back in the day. Year yeah, nine, I wouldn't say 10. they were good battles. I mean, From I tried. From my perspective,
0: I had fun. Yeah. You had
1: fun making me with a bag yeah. of chips in your hand whilst yeah. I sweated to get near. But um, anyway, you point being, you played plenty of sports. Yeah. You were right. well-versed in the sporting mm. ranks. Uh, Through high school, and uh, you always wanted to get in that space eventually um, as a career, which you now are in, one way or the other. Um, You're a big Liverpool fan, and you've always been a very big Adelaide United fan, annual member since all the way back uh, in 2005 when it all got underway. Uh, So let's rewind back to 2013. Uh, You're studying journalism at UNSA? Correct. We both were Should I say we both were? We were both studying journalism, similar classes (laughs) you were following me about. You were doing my assignments. Um, Yeah, you received a certain email. Yeah, And uh, this email was from the club, and uh, long story short, here we are today. Take us back. So I remember this would have been, so
0: second year, uni? First year. No. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, first year uni, um, 2013, and I think it was Kerbs. Nick Kerber had sent an email out to uni. So Nick and Kerber was? The media manager, the the similar, whatever the title was at that point, 2013-ish, um, and that email had come out. We'd get a lot of them, like most unis do, placements here, placements there, And this one obviously caught my eye pretty quickly. And I think like every uh, sort of, I'm going to say generalise here, guy, but every guy who's doing journalism wants to get into sport. uh, Give or take, yes. Majority of the population. Leave
1: the 5% out. The 5% political nerds. as,
0: As we'd always say at the start of your first class, what do you want to be? I want to be a sports journalist. So every guy would go down there. So when that email came through, I was pretty quick to send off the most basics of resumes and with some links to my sort of stuff that we'd been doing together. Um, with a couple other people at uni and got a call and an email back pretty quickly um, and had to come into an interview what now I think's crazy seven seven years ago now walking into the Adelaide United office and uh, nothing's changed <laughs> uh, um, but walking in and going into that boardroom and I remember meeting curbs and I was nervous I was sweaty I like dressed up and as everyone knows me I'm pretty casual in my dress sense especially when it comes to work and I like really doled up like to give the most best first are we, impression. Are we talking
1: suit here? Or? I didn't
0: suit, but I would have had a shirt on 100% okay. at least. Nice
1: shirt. Nice, wool cut shirt.
0: Yeah, mum would have been like, you've got to dress up for this. Because this this was key for me at that point, as similar to what we'll talk about. Is, Shout out to Amanda Cuts, yeah, but friend for of the all, show. Uh, but all of this sort of stuff is, again, when you're going through Jerno, this was like a, this was a key gig. I didn't know how many people were going to be there. So did the interview. Uh, Kerbs came back for like a week or two later. Wanted you to come in for that first game uh, we're having the other volunteers come through, various things like looking after photographers uh, on the field, up the top, running team sheets. This was before Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Like they were around, they were just sort of taking off. But it wasn't as readily available as now, and the fans didn't always have them. So still no NBN
1: back in this time as well. <laughs> no, and still don't have it
0: now. Um, but so I remember going in and that first day there would have been twenty five of us. Um, okay. What I thought was like, oh shit, it's not like there's three or four of us. There's heaps of people. So, you didn't just
1: have to rock up and get it.
0: No, no, no. So, but I, I still think a lot of this comes down to, and I'm probably boring a lot of you right now, but by about three or four games in, because we had four or five people doing each role to watch everything, people just dropped off. So I think a lot of what we'll talk about with me is I've just hung around like a bad smell um, and continued working my way up. So it's, it sort of worked like that. We had 25 to 30 people and... The, that full first season was sort of just after three or four games, there was four or five of us and we just stuck around. And some of that people in that 25 now are working somewhere at baseball, somewhere at basketball, someone doing all these other stuff in sport. And I think because football wasn't their main thing, mm-hmm. they didn't want to continue with this. Whereas for me, I was cool to come and do every third game. I couldn't care less. I was like, yeah, we could, I'll go help the photographers. You've got Joe Janko there, um, like different, different people like that, who was just telling me chatting. it. Uh, I wanted to learn as much as possible at that point, and I'd uh, pick up my Bunnings chair and sit down at the end of the field and watch the game. Snapchat was sort of getting big then. I yes, think at that point, yep. so like Snapchat, a goal, or quickly get that video. And um, there's now way too many posts on Instagram, but still, some of those first posts I look back at if I'm like really bored with life, I'll go back and I'll look and I go, God, we were really posting that back then. But that was that was it. That's yeah. what you
1: that's what you posted, yeah. Um, so I just want to ask. I mean, being a fan, just mm. seeing everything from one perspective every week. Suddenly, overnight, mm. you're now pitch side, getting to work with players behind the scene. Well, you sort at, of
0: yeah. So at that point, we probably weren't. We were still on the edge. So you'd still walk past, and you'd be like, "Oh my god, it's you say yes." Or you know, I'd be like, I don't want to say that now because you'll listen, and <laughs> uh, um, I don't want to give, make his head any bigger. But <laughs> it's like. At that point, it was still like, oh my God, I'm like close to here. Like I'm chatting to them or you'd be like, oh, excuse me, Issa, can I, can we get an Instagram or something? And so there was sort of that sort of thing to start with. Um, but there wasn't that much interaction that first season. Okay. Yeah, so, all right.
1: Yeah. Um, so obviously everything heated up for you. Yeah. Um, you got more and more involved. Still a volunteer at this point in time. Yeah. But uh, you got more and more involved. It led to more and more things and uh, gradually... We're going to mm-hmm. talk about your elevations over time. Mm-hmm. So I uh, started off just mm-hmm. as a match day volunteer, Yeah, correct. if yep. I'm not wrong. Uh, then slid into a part-time videographer role.
0: Yeah, so I sort of started looking... I know one thing I was, always... had some,
1: some above basic editing of, yeah, skills. Yeah, very basic
0: um, editing skills. But I always found a way, I think for a lot of people out there, is so sometimes if you can find a niche that someone's not doing stuff with, sort of angle in that and I know we didn't have many people doing videos, so I was like you know I'll come and film press conferences I'll edit them up with pretty easy cut and paste chuck an overlay on and there you go but I sort of did that as my way to get in the door and I kept doing it I kept volunteering kept helping out oh yeah we need you tonight yep sure still balance it with other work that I did but that's sort of how it did start then and 10 hours a week turned into 15 hours Tended so to come up to training once a week, do this press conference, and then, like I said earlier, hang around like a bad
1: smell, and they'll keep you there. <laughs> um, would you say your finest piece of videography work was that uh, Miguel Palanca translation oh, video? We're talking, just in case no one saw it or people haven't seen it that are watching, I'm talking like a fifteen-minute sit-down, pure Spanish mm. the entire way through. Yeah, about in all the subs. Yeah, that was a tough one. Now I think back,
0: but. Yeah, even just the way the editing software has changed over time. And I don't do as much stuff of that now anyway. Um, but, yeah, I still remember trying to sit down and, and time that all together and little things with video and, and how it changed. But also that signing because you're nervous. You're, a lot of that stuff too back then was quick turnarounds. Also in the fact, yeah, we've got the signing coming today.
1: This guy's got Madrid on his CV. Yeah,
0: and, and it was, uh, I have to say a testament right at the moment with the club is everyone's pretty open about that stuff internally in the four walls. And it gives people time to plan stuff. Whereas back then, a lot of it was like, oh, yeah, we're signing... Uh, Plunkers here today and we're doing a video. And it's like, oh, shit. And it's got to be ready tomorrow. So there was, like, short turnarounds and that stuff. And time's change now. And it, that was a tough one back then, I have to say. I hadn't thought about that video in a very long time.
1: Uh, so we'll fast forward uh, yeah. into when you became... You, this was a very interesting gig. Yeah. You got the a- Asian Champions League liaison officer. Yeah. You're on the ground. Now, yeah. this people might not know about this, but you literally got to hang out in a way yeah. Yeah. with like your gamba soccer stars yeah. in the Pullman hotel. Yeah. You were <laughs> getting all their takeaway food to them. Yeah. yeah. So that Running was around like a mad dog. What was that
0: like? So that's, that was 2016, 17, eight. So that, that feels like a really weird time now. How Quickly things sort of go, but yeah, that was, that was when I was still part-time casual around and they sort of um, said, yeah, we need someone to do this. And yeah, I stayed at the Pullman with them and, go get their food, I remember Jeju had to go, they didn't like the chef that they had, or the food they had at the Pullman, so they'd go to like a Korean restaurant, we'd have to get it delivered in, and it's not about like getting the gifts, what wasn't always the best thing, but like Gamble were really good, the first day they met you, here have a top, here everything, they signed the top, um, got it signed at home, and that's still one of my favourite memories, and I remember Jeju, they, that was probably the hardest week of the three teams I did. And I was like, oh, I didn't want to ask for anything. But I was like, I was kind of hoping for a jersey. The chick comes in and goes, oh, Will, I've got something for you. And I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be wicked. And I didn't even have an iPhone. But they had a little Jeju sticker. No word of a lie. It was just a small sticker but a centimeter big. She goes, put that over your Apple logo and you'll remember us. And I looked at her and I thought I was getting punked. Uh, I thought Ashton Kutcher was just going to come through. And I was like, oh, like you don't do it for that sort of stuff. But the last team we had, who was the third team in that group?
1: Don't ask me, mate. You were working No, now <laughs> I'm trying to remember now.
0: Because um, Jeju was the Koreans. Yeah. And then the Chinese team. Uh, I don't, it doesn't matter. But yeah. they were really good too. All of them were really good. And when I go experiences, I can sit back at life in 20 years or whenever. And I still tell some pretty cool stories. The it Changchun Yatai? No, nah, I don't think so. But like Endo and stuff are walking around and chatting. And, and the people there were lovely. And just the different way they experienced football too. And think at that point, like we're, we're still professional. Yeah. We are. But those guys, even just the squad list that they bring because they have 35 first-teamers anyway and they bring over 26 or whatever and just the way that they run their operations is, is crazy. But no, it's uh, I look back at certain things that I've done and I go driving a bus, a minibus with all these Koreans in the back and driving around Adelaide and stuff. It's
1: been some interesting moments. Similar to your coaching style? Yeah, yeah, yeah parking buses no um, no so i mean that would have been a fantastic yeah. experience yeah. and then you've, you've participated in various community roles too yeah. facilitating coaching clinics mm. player appearances mm. at local clubs which yeah. is very important fundamental for mm. a club like ours to yeah. spread everything around the community yeah. um so this was all really when you were thriving and, and climbing up the ranks so, so i'm not thriving now well, you—I would say you're just in a comfortable full-time. Oh, come, okay, comfortable full-time position. Yeah. Um, but uh, if we take it back a few years, yeah. 2015 yeah. Liverpool visit. Mm-hmm. We never thought we'd see this day come. We're both massive Liverpool fans. Yeah. Uh, you probably way bigger than me, but um, mm. you're a massive yeah, Liverpool yeah, sure, fan. Sure, sure. Uh, you've travelled far and wide to watch them. Yeah. Gone to Anfield. Um, I mean, no one ever expected this day to come. We actually get it over the line. Yeah. Liverpool visit, and uh, you are front and center. Running around Brendan Rodgers press conferences, yeah. Uh, just take us back. I mean, you have got that famous Jordan Henderson profile picture as well. My best profile picture, it's model amount likes yeah. we're talking. Um, <laughs> but uh, what most for me, not for Hendo. <laughs> but uh, what a time that was yeah. when Liverpool came. Yeah, we were actually talking about that today. Um,
0: just I don't know how we got talking about when they came in 2013 for the victory, the victory game. Yep. Yeah, and then we we're talking about here at, at Oval and just. Yeah, thinking back to the sort of memories of that time and I remember when they trained at Cooper's the night before and all the security guards we knew from when we were there and we were trying to sneak through and they were obviously strict, strict security. Um, I just got my jersey framed actually finally from that, that I got the guys to sign and just those, yeah, the memories of getting Hendo and Nathaniel Klein and but then the certain players just walking straight past but I remember like the Liverpool security were like, the f out like move, whereas our security guards will like just sneak back in, sneak back in. So, but it, now being five years ago, it sort of changes what you think and, and like being on the field again um, when we did play at Adelaide Oval and you'll never walk alone, all that sort of stuff. So, again, for people who don't support Liverpool, they probably couldn't care less. But when we did still a major oh, event, when we now get these clubs, I think we lose sort of the understanding of how important that was to Australian football back then. Now Liverpool have been three or four times. Now it's sort of it's like, okay, Liverpool here again, cool. Yeah. Whereas I think we still have to understand and we're so lucky we can watch them every day on our phones and, and all that sort of shit. But it's now a, a great time. Like I look back on these memories and I'm pretty lucky to do what I did and have the opportunity still when I wasn't full-time, still to be given, you know, sanctum sort of roles, walking behind and I remember was it, it was... Like even just seeing certain players now who have won Premier Leagues, mm. being up close and personal. Sterling, I think. Played. Yeah, Sterling was yep. there. Uh, Joe Gomez was there. Milner was there. Hendo and all those guys sort of playing. Um, then you got some of the duds that were there at that time. But no, just seeing them all up close and personal. And yeah, it's, it's crazy experiences that we've all had in football.
1: Absolutely. These are just life goals that you've yeah. taken off at this point. Um, so fast forwarding again, uh, you end up winning the prestigious Remo Paris Award, which yeah. uh, is an award the club gives out every year, mm-hmm. recognising a, a a club man
0: or uh, woman. Club, club person. Club person. It's uh, 2020.
1: Yep. Who uh, has stood out in their role and uh, given far nice. and beyond uh, what's expected of them. You won this award. Um, now, before you tell me, how honored you were to receive it. Yeah. How important is it that, um, in workplace institutions, particularly sporting organizations where the players and coaches can mm-hmm. sort of be the, the time faces, yep. which kind of takes some of the credit away from what people do behind the scenes yeah. for this award to be given out every mm-hmm. year, recognizing someone like you who does everything behind the scenes, um, Makes you feel very valued, I assume. Oh, in yeah. organization?
0: Uh, 100%. I had obviously zero
1: idea. I had some sort of
0: idea on the night because there were some weird things going on. Uh, Jordan was like, I need you to come early to be a model for a photo. I was like, again, yes. Voice for radio, face for radio. Um, but I was like, why do I need to take a photo beforehand, all, all this sort of stuff? And uh, yeah, I, I didn't know. I, I feel uh, extremely grateful. Again, our job behind the scenes, like in all these sporting organizations, is to do everything to get the team on to play, whether it's an hour beforehand, 30 seconds before the the first whistle. Um, That's our job and our jobs do go unnoticed, but I think that's the most important thing is we get out there and we do as much as possible to get the guys to get the three points or the girls to get the three points um, when they play a game. So for me, obviously I'm I'm extremely honored after Remo. uh, I think I was there for two or three years volunteering when Remo was still with us and, you had some good bands with the guy. Yeah, good bands because I couldn't understand a single word he said. <laughs> um, I was ready yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. I could not understand really a single word. I'd just laugh and we'd have a good time together. But he was a great man. And, and for me to yeah, um, be awarded with that um, is something I'm really proud of. It still sits there, um, just in my living room. And I look at it a lot of the time and reminds me again of why we do our job and um, how... how yeah, it's just a, a cool thing, cool thing to have and be recognised by people.
1: Beautiful, and uh, and you should be proud as well. Um, Thank you. Mate. So we'll get into the present day. Yeah. Uh, so you are the football operations coordinator now. Yes. When that title gets thrown around, I assume a lot of the fans that aren't particularly close to the day to day running of yeah. the club probably go, "Well, what the hell does that mean?" Um, we're going to get. I, to I that. might ask them too. <laughs> We're going to get more into that as we go along, yeah. but uh, if I had to get you on the spot to sort of best define what your role is at the club, right me get now, my job
0: description? Up? You might need
1: to. You might actually need to. But give us some kind of general overview.
0: I feel like it's one of those things I need to like do like a week calendar and we go through like what my mornings are like. So normally it's like wash Bruce's car, um, go get Bruce's laundry. So these are KPIs that we're talking about? Yeah, KPIs. i got to yeah, wash Bruce's car, get Bruce's laundry. This is Bruce Dutay. Um, yeah, gentlemen. Bruce answer uh, answers emails, um, shiny shoes. Uh, no, obviously none of that stuff. But it's no. no for, so like daily for me is, again, like I say, when you're talking about the award is just sort of, we've got to do everything that to get the, boys and girls on the park on the weekend and make sure. So my role has changed over, over time too. So when I started in 2017, um, it was different people in, in these roles and we've had different people. So like Ante was there, um, Aurelio was there, Bruce now, different people have taken different things at that start. Cause was also looking after W league a lot. And then he became interim, um, CEO So we Just put on the CEO, record,
1: yeah. the current CEO and ethic uh, yeah, you know, was me, working doing, yeah. under him directly. Yeah. At, uh, yeah. So, time, uh, so right. it's
0: sort of different, different points and, different roles and responsibilities have come being more hands-on with youth and w league now it's transitioning a little bit more into the a-league stuff and, and w League's been looked after by ivan um previous head coach and um so youth has sort of changed in, in different ways too so a lot of registrations um, a lot of writing up contracts yeah, back in flights accommodation um, training schedules what under different coaches has been easier and um, stuff and Carl's a breath of fresh air um, when it comes to these sort of things too. But, yeah, a lot of different things, player appearances. So you said earlier we have to community stuff, so sending out updates. But a lot of this stuff has come and gone in my job description over time and we've expanded different areas and I've got it and lost the things I do too. So um, now, yeah, look after like today putting in kit allocations for the season. So like little things like that where it's like, yeah, they just get done, but FFA leagues ask us what kids do you want to play in certain rounds? We clash and you'd always think it's pretty self-explanatory. We're working out with the commercial guys, which kids do we want to wear in certain games, um, et cetera. Pressing shirts, one of my, my main KPIs
1: and skills um, is pressing all the kids. What's the biggest name you've pressed? Not literally, but in stature-wise.
0: <laughs> no, I've had some good pressing stories. No, I'm trying to think, it's all just the players we, we normally have anyway. So um, when it comes to, I'm trying to think, Sergio Guardiola, when he came, was probably yep. one of Good those call. ones. Um, I remember his pain in the ass was when they sent it, was all the individual letters, though. Um, Set so the line, all that sort of stuff up. Uh, but no, yeah, so there's, there's lots of little different things, and there's, some days it's really enjoyable putting all the orders for kids together, all those sort of little things. I've, I've missed things, and I've probably said roles that are other people's
1: roles. So but, you, you would get bogged down with a lot of menial tasks as well.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of days where you're like, oh, shit, here we go, but that's like any job. And then there's a lot of days where you go, i doing some pretty cool shit. So No doubt. when, But it's it's all those sort of little things that I think fans um, would understand. But when no one tells them, it's like, yeah, those little things like, we've got to do this, we've got to do that to get the team ready, whether it's yeah, kid orders, the allocations that we're doing today. Um, again, the training schedule changes, all, all those certain little things to, to get the boys and girls on the park each week. And, a lot of it comes when sponsors change and sponsors come, so UCAN's been great this year and, and the apparel's good. I see you're repping the uh, training kit Be that rude you won, not to. Um, at the Red Army thing a couple of, couple of weeks ago. Yes, it was the very door fortunate. The door prize, um, but th- that sort of stuff and organising all of that for the boys. So that was stuff I did at the start, So and not, not to talk about how people get into roles sometimes, but... Back in the day, that's what I did in 2014 15, put the bags together for the players, make sure they got two polos, two pairs of trackies, you know, all those sort of little things and now it's where I am now. Like,
1: Fingers right. in a lot of pies. Yeah, mate, a lot of apple pies. So, uh, people want to know about transfers. Now, <laughs> no, I just talk to Bruce, you spoke to him last week. Well, <laughs> yeah. you don't necessarily sign off on them, but... Uh, I'd like to say I do. <laughs> you've got your finger on the pulse, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, you so,
0: ask me a lot of questions and it's, as I say to everyone, even in the office, firmly deny everything that you ever asked me.
1: I'm not going to ask you about who's coming and yeah. who's going, but uh, let's just talk generally about transfers. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people have their own ideas about how transfer works, yeah. but you've seen one from the very initial phase of contacting the player to the final mm. signature on the dotted line. Yeah. What, Maybe does, not
0: that early, but yes. Yeah. What,
1: what what does it actually involve and how much does it have to do with third parties Certain signing on fees, things that we just have no idea about as a general fan.
0: Well, I think there's there's certainly ways. I won't go into what the A-League salary cap is, is like because it's. And I think other podcasts have probably done it better or video video things too. And us in the MLS, really the only countries that have a salary cap and how certain fees then go into the cap and yep. certain exemptions. And there's lots of good articles out there too and how to get around that. But obviously a lot of transfers are free transfers coming into the A-League and I still think fans don't understand that. The transfer window doesn't really mean anything. Um, it's more the registration windows. For selling players, it does. Oh, for selling players, yeah. But when it comes to our players, we want to bring in. Um, and, and this year, obviously, we sold a lot of guys. But I think that's a positive for the club massively that it's obviously sad to see like Lockie and stuff go, Riley, Nicola. Uh, Always going to, though. That's yeah, yeah. and I, I think it's it's a positive for us that our players are wanted by, by Europe, uh, by European clubs and seeing what Riley scored a couple of weeks ago, watched Lockie a couple of weeks back um, on YouTube. One of his games, they played Chelsea under 23s. Um, Looking at those guys, that's perfect. But because, yeah, it's free transfers, majority of the players that we bring in, whether it's other Australians through other A-League teams and not swap deals, but we'll release someone this day. They'll release their player and we can make a swap to to fit into the, the salary cap or, yeah, getting back a player like Tommy Urich Um, at the moment is on free transfer now so he can can come in. So it's more important I think fans probably get their heads around registration windows and when they can be finalised. Like you said, transfer windows are important for when players can leave the club. But there's still a lot of those deals are done outside that and then just are announced first minute of a transfer window being open again too. So I know a lot of leagues are going through those problems. Deals are done months beforehand and then they just announce that first minute or, you know what I mean, with how the registration changes. So So it's really not
1: like playing football. I mean, football
0: managers are pretty accurate
1: these days, but it's not like a FIFA transfer, is it? No,
0: well, for for us, no. I think for us here in Australia, it'd be completely different for for Liverpool or Manchester United or some other teams, but... Uh, a lot of it is probably the behind-the-scenes stuff of... How much know. have you got to sell the state itself? How important is that? Oh, to be honest with you, like, sometimes I've picked up certain players from the airport. What I still think is some of the funniest gigs is this face is the one that arrives. Certain at
1: driving Baba De around to his appointments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've had some fa- funny
0: conversations with Baba. He's a great man. Um, <laughs> map, more different ones. And some of these players come and they actually haven't done that much research mm. into it or probably the internet shows them Adelaide and it's what maybe Victorians say Adelaide sort of like. And so I've got a little route I take from the airport to one of our, like this is when we used to have a spot that we'd take in my hotel. So that
1: showcases us off a little bit oh more yeah it's, about a 50, it's like a 15 minute drive. The airport I'd, developments.
0: Yeah. yeah So uh, I'll tell you right now, I take them through the air, like from like Sedona and drive and I'll be like, Oh yeah, let's cause it's nighttime. Most of the time when these international flights would, uh, land, either I time or first thing. You want morning. to see the skyline. Yeah, So, but I'd go like past Adelaide Oval and they'd see it, and is that the stadium? Oh no, this is the stadium's <laughs> on over there. We do play <laughs> here, here once every Once a year, here, take, here so. and there. Um, no, but little things like that that I pinch myself sometimes and you take these people around and selling Adelaide, that's, that stuff's on, on Bruce's side that he does and yep. deals with all the, the monetary values and um, when you spoke to him last week and I think he's, he said he will come on the show at some point. Um, we're discussing in the office, but that's that's his domain. And then once it comes to to me as visas and at the moment travel exemptions, COVID's been been tough to massively people, throwing a spanner in the works. Yeah, um, to get people in. So that was like uh, Harvey um, when when he arrives, but obviously having to get the Australian government to approve for him to and his family to come in, and um, even Tommy um, when when he gets over. So all those sort of little things um, have to get done now, and those processes. And not overnight. That's a couple of days of waiting to make sure that this stuff is done. And um, stuff that I didn't know I'd be doing 12 months ago. And it's something really cool now. And it's a stressful stressful gig in that way. But it's also fun. And it's enjoyable.
1: But yeah, you are working to those deadlines a lot of the time. Yeah. And
0: and a lot of it, yeah, is it especially COVID. Before that was a little bit easier to do this stuff. Because they can come over and work through visas and stuff after. And see then the challenges of getting documents um, translated and stuff. it's, It's not hard. But sort of time-consuming, you're waiting for things to get all your ducks in a row and, and go from there. So I think from a, tra- yeah, from a transfer perspective, it's um, a lot of it can just has to also sort, sort of align and how the squad sort of balances out, and I think we're all pretty happy. Yeah, so I think the squad's really taking shape now.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, no one's going to disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, how often are you at Playford? Obviously, the club's training base.
0: Um, it depends. Uh, some seasons I'm, I'm up there a bit. Like when I was doing video stuff back in the day, I'd be up there two, two, three times a week. We're based at, at the office at High Marsh, so communication lines are, are very easy at the moment. You get the phone to Carl and, and chat about schedules and different things or people once a week, probably give or take. Um, it depends on the time and obviously with COVID right now, we're not in a full league lockdown in a way, but there's sort of like a semi-bubble at the training centre. So okay. we can obviously come up and down, but we're doing less things of bringing people in to watch trainings that, that have to be there at or, you know, you know sort of mean. So... Uh, previous roles have been whenever junior kids would come up, I, I'd do that or random presentations um, that I'd run. But yeah, so now it's more sort of uh, yeah office based um, at High Marsh. But yeah, up once a week and try and get up once a week anyway, just to to see everyone as as much as possible, keep those communication lines open, and say hello to some of the boys.
1: Cool. Uh, so let's get a little bit topical. Oh, here we uh, go. Your best memories as a fan of the club, uh, whilst working or not working there. So
0: yeah, I'll go first. Probably best, like everyone, is the three 0 Let's get that there. one out the way. Yeah. So I remember going with dad when I used to go to games as a kid. Sit up the back, um, southern Members end side. <laughs> yes. No. So oh. southern end, right at the, right at the back behind the goals. I love watching football from behind the goals. So right up the top, that's where we'd sit. Always back row. It'd be like under the like the E or something. It says that United at the top. That's where we'd try and sit every single week. Dad and I, when we'd go, me and my mates. Um, so I still remember that game because it was bumper to bumper. There was no free seat. And
1: Just to clarify, 3-0 against who?
0: <laughs> the 3-0 game um, in the... Bunyuk Court. Ch- yeah, Bunyuk yeah, yep. Court. Yeah, yeah, so... Back then, that's when I would have been, 13, 14, That 15.
1: was absolutely bumping that night. Yeah, that? and
0: then when it comes to favourite memories of working at the club would be any of the finals. So the three FA Cups, I've been a part of all of them. I think that 2014 one is some of my favourite memories. Yep. Um, at that the point, game aside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that sort of the old change rooms at Cooper's, seeing the old videos and... That first photo, and that's when you really felt like a club. That very was, emotional night, wasn't it? Well, uh, I first, still
1: first trophy we lifted in a, a very long time.
0: Yeah, I, I still remember the after party and still getting invited to that. And I was a no one at the moment at that point, really. Like, that's, spill some details. Where nah, was the after party? I won't. Uh, no, nah, it was just the Republic. I remember, but they, they were fun times. And some of the guys. And I remember we played. I think it was Newey, like three days later, and we didn't play well. Uh, <laughs> but I think from that perspective of it all, we.
1: Maybe that had to do with Eugene Galecovich being tempted to stay over your house that night. And, no, uh, no, mate, no Get your mum to cook bacon and eggs no, the next That was morning. actually the, uh that was the early grand final.
0: Um, right. But, no, so grand final was fun. I still find funny different memories of, of that night. And then the other two FA Cups we've won. Yeah, so yeah. the other two we've won. And they've been some of the best memories. And sort of that's the rewards of the hours you put in. And for, I think from everyone off the field, they're the nights you love the most. Players obviously get around them heaps. But for us as office staff members and the administrative staff and the football staff, um, your strength and conditioning coaches, all of those guys, your assistant coaches, everyone, they're the nights you love the most because it's just the sigh of relief when you make it there and you win those. And yeah, there's nothing like it.
1: And we probably party more than the players sometimes. So I'm going to ask you about that. Does it? How much does it affect the mood of the actual workplace when we're in a rural? Oh,
0: we were... I think we're discussing that this week is sort of like it feels weird because we haven't played a game for a couple of months now obviously and sort of how everyone – we're on a high at the moment, uh, I have to say. Everyone's pretty bumper in the office with the – like we said, the signings this week and we're – I still don't know where I'm looking at you or looking at the camera but it's – and look at the fans but no i think from the perspective of when we're winning games everyone's real happy and i think that's the same with because then your membership and your ticketing staff are happy because there's people people buying tickets because we're winning games and when we're losing games it's like oh shit no now then the media guys have to try even harder to get people to come to games and people might not be biting because people like you are writing bad questions about the team but <laughs> but you know like bad comments but you know like so when we're winning games it's, it's happy you go off to play for it everyone's yep. really happy you're seeing you know, we're day after a loss and they're at a recovery session and you're doing a video and you can just see everyone running laps, like why the hell are we here? But again, from yeah, from an office perspective, we're, we ride the wave too and I think there's nothing like a post-game beer after a match with a slice of pizza and you're just like, oh, like that one's done and then we're off to W League the next day or something. So,
1: so there's not much me time for you is there what do you mean sorry there's not much me time in in this job for oh you. no i think it, it's like anything
0: um we live and breathe football and you have the opportunities to but um, yeah. I,
1: one of your colleagues told me once yeah. mari zanon that football yeah. never sleeps so, so because you are around the clock yeah. in your job it's you must test your times well there, there's different times
0: with certain things like obviously like i was saying before with the visas and the travel exemptions and stuff is is the stress of waiting and I know I think like everyone in society now, a little bit's trying to get off your phones all the time, whereas sometimes for us they're there and, and I've turned my email notifications off but I'll check them every hour or so. But getting certain exemptions through and it's a sigh of relief but you might be at a family dinner and everyone's like, why well, are you checking your phone? I'm like, I'm not just swiping right or left, like I'm actually checking something in porn right now. So it's, yeah, it never sleeps but then there's also times when you can get a good break and it's it's like any job. I think if you, you do enjoy it and you do love it, there's hard days, there's great days. Um, yeah, you appreciate the me time when, when you do get it. You yeah. went on
1: The Hub. Yes, uh, The Hub,
0: yeah. which was We haven't even yeah, spoken about The Hub. Well, yeah. let's talk about it now. Yeah. So,
1: obviously, uh, the infamous Hub that yeah. everyone had to do uh, yep. to finish last season off. Yeah. Uh, six weeks locked away with the staff.
0: Yeah, so it was, we were in Sydney for five, I think we got to 29 nights, I think it was in the end, that we were away, and I think it was about the 24th or 25th when... We had that two two with city,, yep. and then we had to wait around um, stupidly. I'll make no comment on that situation, but <laughs> we had to wait around um, so yeah, it was like twenty nine nights and stuff and away from home in a bubble in the hotel, three different hotels and um, the guys at the all the hotels were lovely, and the last hotel was was great. We were pretty much the only people there. We had the run of it, but I think that was a really eye-opening experience for me, um, getting to help out with all that, that stuff and yep. making relationships with, with different staff members and players and having something that I remember leaving for. I wasn't honestly too ecstatic about going. I was I was probably a little pissed off. That I don't think I, anyone would blame you though. No, I think at that point we were still it's in a It's not exactly a holiday. No, at a, in a COVID world where we didn't know exactly what it was like. Adelaide was safe. We had no cases. We we're going to Sydney again, 10, 15 cases or whatever. And we went over there and it was the, the league rules made it very, very strict on what we couldn't, we couldn't do. And it was hard to find activities for the guys to do because it's like when they're here again, they can go to cafes and stuff. But when we're over there, it was like, you wanted to go to training every yep. day was training. Cause you wanted to spend more time outside as, as possible. Yep. And the last hotel we had was great. Cause we had a lot of space and, um, but yeah, from from an experience wise, we you know, you watch movies at night, play cards, different different sort of things. We a couple of other card games, werewolf or something. We would play heaps, and um, yeah, it was experience. I probably chucked on the Kgs because we had buffets every day, and
1: everyone just got a bit closer, though, didn't they?
0: Yeah, we did, and I, I think that's relationships that I didn't have with certain players and, and conversations you have, and and staff members, and learning more about yeah, dif- yeah, like you said, different staff members and. Yeah, it was a. It's sort of now. It's crazy. It's been three, four, three months, three, four months yep. now since since we came back. And then obviously, sucked was the two weeks quarantine. What was some people say it was a bit of time off. It's we stuck in a stuck in a house. You can't leave anywhere. Sort of what those five, six thousand people are doing right now. And it's not the most fun experience. Um, it sort of tests you, especially after we were in a quarantine environment for five weeks beforehand. But what a roller coaster! I thought we played ridiculously well over there, and I think everyone sort of played with a freedom that we hadn't played with a very long time. And yeah, I was ecstatic with the experience and it's something I'd never traded in. Like I wouldn't go again. If they asked me, I would go again, but like maybe let someone else have the experience, but I'm, I'm really happy that I got to go and I probably didn't divulge much there at all, but it was a tough experience for everyone by the end of it because mentally, mentally it was us 29 guys or whatever it was all there in everyone's pockets for, for a month. I don't know how those clubs are. The guys are going over and, um, Dubai or whatever it is, Qatar, Qatar. Sorry, yeah, for the Asian Champions League right now. And again, it's it's a fun job, and there's some days where it's great, especially in the hub, and some days where it was like, God, I could really just go with a pizza right now or something, like something really good. And um, but the, yeah, it was it was a great experience, mate. It was it, some of those games you've been watching um, empty stadiums, and then there's just us there. And I don't know if anyone's really got. I know some fans get the opportunity, like each year, to watch some of those like behind closed doors friendlies that's when I think you understand so much what they say and different things and everyone's yelling at each other and you can hear the whole thing in the stadium. It's just echoing. Whereas when there's 10, 15,000 of us at Cooper's and you can't hear a word that the players are saying, but when you can sort of remove that, I think it's like when those NBA, they mic up the players, it's actually a really interesting concept that I'd love to see us if we, we could do it at some point, because you'd learn so much more of actually what goes on. I guess soccer is probably a bit harder with how players land and tackles where you, mics and certain little things but i think that'd be a cool experience because i learned so much even from that hearing the coaches speak and
1: the players speak too so yeah and it would have been very insightful as a budding coach as well yeah budding if you want to get get into the professional ranks one day so cussie Hmm. what does adelaide united look like to you in 10 years and i want to Hmm. list off a few questions here separately but uh we might just roll through them yeah it's fine stadium situation it's a bit of a debate, but uh, there's. speaking my, to you off the camera... There's, I have my opinions, yes. There's plenty of reasons why it would be beneficial to eventually move.
0: <sighs> um, the best way to say it for me is I think Coopers is the home of football here in South Australia. Yep. There's obviously then has to become a financial element, and I think it's great that we're hoping that the state government can invest some money for the Women's World Cup, what is key um, for football in this state, what I think people don't understand how important it is, that if we can get this over the line and we can get games... I don't know Nigeria versus like, you know, Italy. Italy uh, in a group stage game, I think would get a decent crowd. Like we'll get a good crowd, and it will be important for it, not just female football in this this state, but football as a whole to get these teams over here and have a World Cup. So we really have to capitalize there. Oh, we have to, and I think, but I do see. I'd love to see a new stadium in the city, and that's from from the perspective of a just entertainment fan. If I am going to throw entertainment as, as a bundle, just a hub a hub of everything because I see how much the game has even grown in AFL and cricket by being in the city. Cricket was obviously great when Adelaide over. Was it like it was in 2005, five, six, etc. but now 50,000 seat stadium, we know with the ashes, again, you get some of the shitty teams over and you still get 20,000, but it's in the city. I know Cooper's is what some people say is five minutes away. It is five minutes away. But if we have something in the city, you're going to draw a much bigger crowd. I still think that's 10 years away if it does happen. We still need to capitalise on Coopers because it's the best football stadium, specific stadium in that way in the country. And we just want as many people, obviously, to get there as possible post-COVID when there's not restrictions. But I think in 10 years' time, I'd I'd like to see us with a a new stadium because I think financially it's probably better. I'm not a financial guy. But I'd like to see us be the premier event on a Friday night. Yep. In the city where it's, you're walking down Rundle Mall, whatever that looks like. And Quick hour of
1: after work drinks. And,
0: yeah. and then people are going, oh shit, let's go to the soccer tonight. Like,
1: let's go. Do let's so you tonight. reckon that's the best way to get those sort of walk-in fans that we don't oh, usually see? But
0: yeah, I think it's, I, I'm no marketing person. I'm, it's, it's not my job. I'll say my opinion. But no, I think it's a, I'd love to see that. I'd lo, But I'd love to see it anyway if people did that at Cooper's. Yeah, Like if people were, again, we're not, in an
1: office building in the city where people, you've gone to the soccer, you go gone to the soccer, but it's been more of an effort to get on the tram though. Uh, and, you yeah. Know. And
0: you know, do we drive? Do we not? Then tram it back in to go to town. Whereas I know however many times we've done it, leaving the cricket, it's a 10 minute walk to Peel Street done. Bob's your uncle. You're on, on the piss. Like, yep. but you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, it, it's, and you're at restaurants, all that sort of stuff. And I'd love to see that in 10 years. I don't know where we'll be it's football in this country anyway. Yep. But I'll, Love us to continue appreciating Cooper's until the last day that we left we'll to leave at some point, whether it's twenty fifty or something you'll probably because I think for the growth of the game, unless you build out and make it fifty thousand seats there, it's probably yeah. and we know good. how
1: expensive grossly expensive oh, it is to yeah, do that. yeah
0: update coopers, yeah, so no that's that's my opinion on on the stadium matter as it is, so yeah.
1: So uh, let's talk about whether this club is in 10 years' time going to be a breeding ground for the best young talent in the country, yeah. winning titles season in, season out, yeah. or both, or somewhere in between.
0: Putting me on the spot here, I did get the questions beforehand, but <laughs> I, I think it's, I think we can see the players that we have coming through and some of these other ones, we've got our 0-4s, 06s 5s 6s coming through too, is some really talented players, we Again, without the Youth League, we can't see what other teams are, are like, different states. But I think it shows our NTC system and our youth system coming through, the millions of different names that it's called all the time, that when our players do leave us, I know some people get stressed. It's like oh, Melbourne City is taking our kids, Central Coast, Perth. I think it's just more of a testament to football in South Australia that these Melbourne City would rather have our players than in their, their own. youth team yeah. than their own. And we've seen Yaya's come back, Joe's come back. Uh, What's well, great? Missing names probably too. But that, I think, the positives. As much as we see Lockie go, and it's it's, it's sort of untapped potential for us. I'd love to see his potential be tapped at Brentford.
1: I think mean, it's more. The issue people have is more with like Ataris going.
0: Oh yeah, I'll stay out of that. Um, from from my opinions of it, but. He did start in the game against Victory. He played 90 minutes, I think, in the game that internal they played a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And I do wish him the best. Great young kid. Um, really talented footballer. And it, that's a pain in the ass when those types of people do go. But you also want people who are, want to be at the club too. And, 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 and credit
1: to us for giving him a platform.
0: Yeah. No, I think – and that's, that's the thing yeah. is I think for everyone that then goes to another A-League club and it's, it's disappointing, I still hope he does really, really well and plays really good football and – then we see in three years he's playing in Europe somewhere because that benefits the national team. What I still think is really important, that our players, when they do go, they stick it out overseas, but they leave at 21-22 from here. I don't know if that's a question you've got at some point after, but rather than go at 22 with 50, 60, 70 A-league games under their belt, sort of like what Riley's done now. I think he can really succeed over there in in England now, whereas when they're 18, it's a little bit more difficult because he's sort of thrown into the slaughter pretty quickly. So... I think, I hope to answer your question coming all the way back, I want us, we need to compete for titles. It's really important. But also we need to have some of the best young kids coming through. And with everyone makes jokes about the league being recycled, I'd love to see some of these kids be given opportunities before someone comes from their ninth or eighth club. What I'm sure at some point is going to happen in the next couple of years. Yep. If two, two more teams, we've obviously got the 12 teams now, say so it goes to 14, more players might play for an eighth team, ninth team. I'd love to see more local NPL players come, but that comes with an aligned calendar and all these other things that I know we have differing opinions on. But that's what I'd like to see at some some point. I think we can have kids play games and we know they're good. We know they're good. And I know there's NPL players say I'm better than them, et cetera. But we've got some really good kids coming through. And I'm hoping after this year and maybe even next year, Carl's the perfect man there um, to get it out of them and give them opportunities. And if they take them with two hands, they can be overseas. They can be really, really good A-League players. Yeah,
1: yeah no, there's definitely a lot to look forward to yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Um, I might marry these two questions together. Cool. So you are a football coach. Uh, you've enjoyed a say lot man. of... No, yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> enjoyed plenty of success uh, coaching Adelaide City's various youth teams. Yeah. You've moved on now into a senior role, uh, yes. where you'll be the senior assistant at Adelaide Victory yep. in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, before we touch on your personal experiences, how do we make things a little bit better for young players in this state who are playing at that sort of high, highest level that they can be their, yeah. and really wanting to fast-track their development? What, what, what are the critical things that we need to change?
0: Well, uh, I don't know if it's always just changing because I think, like I said just before, and we sort of said is we're developing a lot of good young players. We are developing a lot of really, really good young players and there's only 11 spots in a at United each week of youth team, a reserves team, etc. But it's having and getting these kids to play enough games at a testing level where they can perform at the best over a period of like a long period of time. It's not a really great answer in the way I'm beating around the bush in a bit, but I think we just need kids to be playing a lot of games. I think it comes down to training. I think it comes down to developing coaches. It, the you know, little things like gear, but having giving coaches enough. I say you don't do it for the money, but it does help in a certain way when you put in a lot of extra hours to put out coaches, but to put out training sessions to put out different things because uh, a lot of these coaches do have full time jobs. A lot of the parents too. Most of them, yeah, yeah, most of them have full time. Unless you're like an MPL coach, everyone else has full time jobs. So where do you find the half an hour, the hour to to put down and and plan a session? Mm. I've always found the biggest thing when I changed my mentality as a coach was. To try and plan a session ninety five percent of the time, um, and be that organized. I'm an organized person. I think so. It works well in theory. <laughs> it, no, it does work well in theory, but life gets in the way too. Yep. So to develop our best, like the best young players, I, know I had one. I won't go into it too much where it was, but there was one club I was at where uh, we're doing a player appearance. It's long story short, but he had four kids, and he was complaining about having four because he couldn't do anything. And I was—I can't remember which player it was with with me—and I was like, "This is actually the best session you could probably have, because it's one on four. Yep, you get sixty minutes, you get fifteen minutes of time on each of them um, to better improve them. Whereas if you've got sixteen kids in an hour, again, quick maths is you know, four minutes, give or take three, three point seven five, something like that. Where it's like you can—you had you had the best session you probably could have had. All he did was complain, and I was so close to going, mate. You're like, you need to go and." Do a session. Go online. Find some drills. Change your mentality. I think a lot of it is also coaches changing their mentality. Is, I know Cosy will always have a got me <laughs> in the office that I'm there to win. I'm there to win. I think it's important. I think it's a really important tool for kids. One thing to, we do agree on. No, we do. I think it's really important because our generation has come through now where everyone gets a bloody ribbon at sports day. It doesn't matter for me. Was those lost. well done ribbons? No, yeah. But, like I, I didn't care if I didn't get a well done ribbon. I came sixth in the race. It's yeah. life. I need to be. I want to be number one. I think these kids, they need to understand when they get to that level and they need to, that sometimes you've got to dog it out and get a, get the three points somehow. You might yeah. not always play well, but there's got to be that balance. I don't know if it's 40, 60, 75, 25, but I think winning is also, I love your quick mass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quick mass. Working out 100. You know what I mean? It's like, I think it's important that we get to a, a point where these kids can play a good game, like play 25 games of football a year, mm. and everyone's sort of in a decent level. I don't want just all the clubs to hold the best talent, but people also go where the best other players are to perform at a, a really good level. I don't think it's great that some kids automatically go up three or four years or they're chasing JPL at different clubs. And I still think there's something that I love. My four years at City was the, the tightness and the camaraderie of of the place and kids that live and breathe the badge still look at a couple of them that I had from my first group that are now like training first team. I couldn't be more prouder of, of yeah. those boys, but it must be very rewarding, you know, but they've been city kids since they were six. And I'm happy those kids stuck it out in certain years where they might not have been the best player or something. Or, um, and they didn't just jump ship when a club came to them. I don't like seeing, especially between 12 and 16 kids jumping each year where you know I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. Like stick it out play get games of football and understand that you have to work your ass off and it's the same with coaches same with anyone you gotta you have to work you're not going to just get given a daily contract I mean kids would be at Liverpool right now trying to work the reserves trying to work their ass off just to get a sniff so I think some kids and it's also listen to your parents where possible but sometimes it's good to also you know listen to the coaches and at a certain age the kids have to speak directly to them and not speak through parents too. So
1: so yeah. you've enjoyed seeing your Adelaide City teams win I think how many is it now? Four in a row? Three in a row?
0: Um I've won two cups, two leagues in a row, one three leagues. Oh yeah, so I think it was the second year I didn't win anything. Sure, you're not forgetting anything doubles. there? What?
1: <laughs> no I'm just saying no, no, it's a no, th- so, no. lot of things to win.
0: No, no, well we we did double this year and double the year before and
1: then did the double in my first year. <laughs> so it's going to be very different for you now as a senior assistant yeah. at a state one club, which did struggle this year. You're going to be under the great Rick Suraj show. Yeah. Shout out to him, friend of the show. Yeah. Um, um, great mentor friend, yeah. who you're going to be under. Yeah. Um, how are you going to align everything from this point for yourself who, who does eventually want to be in that mm. head coach role one way or the other? I mean, you, who knows what your ceiling is like and where it could go. Thank you, mate. Yeah I uh, know I think um, cause yeah. you've been doing it for so long and yeah. since you were really young and you've learned a lot but um yeah. you know is there possibly a pathway to to one day be sitting in the Cooper stadium dugout
0: Yeah I think there's there's certain little uh, I still think yeah there's there's dreams and aspirations I think that we all have and we all have certain little things in in life that we'd love to do and where that path goes I'd love to be a head coach at some point or a coach and um there's certain little things we have to tick off on the way there and I just enjoy learning off people, similar to what my points were earlier. Talking about how I got my job now is learning and doing lots of di- different things, and just being—I know it's stupid wording—but like a sponge in certain ways, just absorbing things off people. I enjoy coaching kids; I really enjoy it. Um, I like seeing the growth and the understanding, especially in that 14, 15, 16 when they're that age, because you don't have to work just always on the technical skills. You can start talking, you know, football styles, philosophies, formations. But I enjoy seeing, what a, to get to your point about victories, seeing these kids become good men. It's like, like as they grow up, like trying to sort of um, channel them and cha- like challenge them in, in that respect. At victory is going to be different because we're we've got 16 year olds to 33 year olds. I haven't done that since I coached at Pembroke Old Schools, where you're dealing with heaps of different people with heaps of different life situations and styles and what their day was. It's like the kids. The one thing I always say to them each session was like, "What'd you do today at school?" Like you had to have done something that you have to remember. I think adults is going to be similar as like, well, how's worked? You've got all these different things where people's different lives are lined up and how we can make them better. And I, I still love when you see 27, 28-year-olds still coming out and training each week, three nights a week, because they just want to get that little bit better. And you still can get better at 32. You can get better at 16. So I'm really intrigued. I think it's a cool thing that they're doing down there. And maybe it's not the path that some people would take. And when I got the call, I was interested and, it was a, a different experience. Something that I didn't want to just take another group of under 14s at Adelaide City. If I got offered it, do that for two years and, and then move, you know, move on again and let them let them go because I probably could have. And I, but I really enjoy what we're sort of building now. It's tough with COVID because we went from starting three four weeks ago, the original plan to now stopping and then pushing it back and now stopping and pushing it back. So um, no, I'm, I'm really intrigued and. Obviously, yeah, The dream one day might be Coopers, might be Anfield, might be anywhere in the world. Again, there's probably another hundred thousand blokes in the same position as me, not sitting on this couch, but around the world who, who dream of coaching at Anfield or whatever. But
1: yeah, one day I'd love to, love to do who it. Who knows where you might get to with all your connections? You still probably I'm have. Just, no, Amor's just not going to
0: weasel my way into <laughs> into Stop, a. Gig. Just saying that, like, no, you I know, know. you yeah. would
1: never have thought that Guillermo Amor, when he first stepped into the role here, yeah. would now be. Basically, calling the shots at a board level at Barcelona. I think he was you was know. doing
0: it a little bit before that too, and how, how it sort of went But I know, yeah, your point is is true. Yeah, no, I think it's a it's really interesting, and I just like to learn off different people, and that's where my current role is. Like, if you could coach full time, I'd love to do it. There's heaps of other really good young coaches and older coaches too in South Australia that that are ridiculously good that we can learn off and and absorb information and and go from there. I'm I'm intrigued. I just want to learn and. I'm not someone who has to be at 28 I want to be doing this at 30 I want to be doing that cuz you look at some guys coaching in their first time in the Premier League at 55 like they've been yep. doing it for years and everyone has a path or they come in at 33 you know or you're a Lampard and or I'm no Stevie G you'd like to say I am but there's these guys have this crazy experience too and and that from there but no I'd love to it someday and we've coached before together and different things and no it's something I really enjoy though it's more a a passion It's something that i like to absorb and gives me a different understanding of football that then in the office, when they start talking stuff, I can just sort of chime in here or there
1: and then they can tell me to shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Um, and if it's not going to be coaching, it may well be going back to the heart of what you majored yeah. in, which is journalism. Yes. Because you've got plenty of your own little passion projects going yeah. on there as well. So just, yeah. Let's uh, plug your podcast quickly. Yeah. So,
0: uh, I do a podcast called screen blend, uh, sort of, uh, film, TV, and games—very so, regular content. Yeah, very regular. We do it once a week, I think. Outside of work, like you were saying before, trying to find me time. For me, it is, you know, nine to five works there, but also you like to switch off and have other things that I love and enjoy. And massive, I'd say I'm a film buff. I, I really enjoy TV, and obviously from our journalism background, I, I like to talk. As you can probably sitting through an hour of this podcast now. Uh, you're probably like, cutsy shut up. But I enjoy talking. And I, I enjoy absorbing that content and, and still using the skills that I learned um, to continue doing that. So it's similar to why I'm guessing you do this too is in a way is, it's been content. It's, it's something I like and I, I really enjoy. I think it's important outside of work that you do have passions that you can you can jump into and whether it's spending five hours a week or spending 20 hours, it's, it's something I really do enjoy. So I do that and then another one that I've sort of left on the back burner uh, called The Chat Show. Uh, go, all of them are on, online. So just a on, chat about life? Yeah, chat about life. I'm working out what I want to do with the show a little bit now because um, that was pre-COVID I started and that sort of stung that in the ass and I was sort of like, I just didn't want to talk about COVID every day and how everyone's life had affected to that. But yep. I, I'm, I'm working out what I want to do there. Both are on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever it is and wherever you get your best podcasts. But no, I, I do enjoy my media stuff that I did and I still think it's important to to continue with, with that stuff. And it's like I said, it's why you do this. And so guessing too is to continue these skills and you want to get into this sphere too. And I think it's great. I think passions are an important thing, um, that everyone should have and try and identify them as as impossible.
1: Good on you, mate. It's been can fun. I, can I
0: ask you some questions there? If you want, I <laughs> don't know how we're going for time. But... Oh, maybe we got to- I can see the battery on the top corner is still, it's not flashing yet. So it should be good. Oh. No, I, I want, I wanted to ask a couple of things to you is, let's again, we've been friends and, yeah, you know, this passion project for you is, I think is important. Like no one's asked you this, but why did you start this?
1: Uh, I started this because I fell out of love with coaching yeah. and I was scared that if I did that and did nothing to sort of replace that yeah. love of having some kind of attachment yeah. to the game, aside from just being a fan that watches yeah. matches that um, I'd kind of just like lose a bit of purpose, like mm-hmm. just, you know, on weekends and stuff. Yeah. And so, um, that's kind of that was kind of the main driver, but I wanted to do this uh, after the title winning yeah. season, but yeah. just had no idea what I'd be doing. So yeah. I kind of only started it because I felt like I really had to.
0: Okay, yeah. So I think for everyone, who don't see the effort you do you do put into this. It's, it's a lot of time. Thank you, mate. Yeah, no. But I think um, we we look over the world, like all over the world. You got Redman TV. You have got your Arsenal fan TV. All these big clubs have inspirations. In a, yeah, they and, and I think for our fans, it's great if they they get around your content and. Uh, you know, comment have a go at me if you want. Uh, you can slide into the DMs and have a go at what we do. But I think, no, no. For you, who's been your favourite person you've had on? Because you asked me that it was sort of a similar thing. But who's been your favourite person that sat on this couch?
1: That's specifically sat on this well, couch, Well, all, all around. But like
0: majority have sat on the couch pre COVID.
1: Yeah. i uh, it'd be criminal not to mention Marcos because yeah. he's... Really gone far and beyond to uh, invest a lot of his time in this place. Yeah. Um, there's Daniel Mullins, one that yeah. um, I really loved. Yeah. He was just very level-headed guy yeah. that um, really came across beautifully yeah. 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 for someone that hasn't done that much media. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I really enjoyed uh, Dave scarseller too. Yeah, he was. Uh,
0: yeah. I've heard some funny
1: Dave stories, but I'll leave.
0: There. You used to room with him. Yeah, I roomed with him twice when I did the. Um... Asian Champions League trip, I did. Long story short, when we had that, it's twenty sixteen. Yeah, that's so. Sort of the Asian Champions League season that I was doing the Gamba stuff. We we went to I think it was Sydney first. No, no, wait, Melbourne or Sydney? Went to Melbourne, played a game, and then they had to fly it to China, and then they flew back into Sydney. So my gig that weekend or both weekends was to fly over and pick up the kids, and then bring wow. the kids back. So I'd stay one night, and I remember after one of the games, I think it was Sydney. I think we'd won or something. We had a few drinks. It was one of the guys from the office's birthday. So we had some drinks. And then I woke up like five minutes before the bus was leaving because I slept through. And the only reason I slept through was Scarcella was making a lot of uh, um snoring noises. But I remember and I was like, I couldn't sleep. It was like four o'clock and I couldn't I had my headphones in and everything. And then I must have got out to it like an hour before I like we needed to. And I was in the deepest of sleeps. And he didn't wake me up until he'd showered and everything and left. And he's he's like, Yeah, we are off in five. And I was like, I, cause I was stressed at that point. I still was a full time staff member. He
1: was trying to be nice, but he threw you under the bus. Oh, I massively threw under the bus, but he's a great guy.
0: Um that's probably my funniest yes. That's the beauty of rooming with people. You never know who you're gonna get.
1: Totally. Uh, well, and going back to yeah. your question, I, I don't really go with favourites, but I mean, it'd be re- remiss of me not to mention Riggs, who yes, you yes, spent yeah. plenty of time with uh, yeah, Riggs, off the pitch the when guy. he was playing here. Uh, he gave, obviously, an amazing interview, yeah. but um, I owe all of them a lot because yes. they do not get anything out of this other yeah. than a bit of fun talking about their careers. Yeah. And um, so I owe them massively. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's so good for us that, we have this network of past players yeah. that don't have big heads yeah. and aren't for themselves yeah. and don't sort of scoff at you for just being like a fan TV. Yeah. They actually see that like, you know, you have put effort into researching yeah. their careers and you've got some questions there that no one's ever asked them before. Yeah. And that's kind of what incentivizes yeah. them. So yeah. we're lucky to have that.
0: Uh, last one I've got for you on Purebred bread reds, Adelaide United fan TV
1: um, is
0: where do you see this in two years, five years? You obviously asked me the same question, but, for you is this something you want to be continue doing is is there going to be an end date is there a goal like what is what is it for you even long-term short-term
1: yeah no it takes up a lot of emotional energy so i think it's it's gonna wrap up one day yeah that might be in a year it might be in three years but it has its end date and where i see it going just uh consolidating with where it's at now you know just plenty of Fans that do watch, um, which is lovely, and get a lot of good feedback. Yeah. And, um, yeah, being around the Cooper Stadium turnstiles mm. to give fans their views yeah. and just just see if we can get any b- bigger and better. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll be fine if it just continues on as it is.
0: Perfect, mate. Thank you for having me.
1: Katsy, it's been fun.
0: It has been. I've enjoyed it. I, I miss
1: chatting shit. All Thanks the best with, uh, you the... with you and in your role. Thank you very um, much. You've worked very hard, worked your ass off for several yeah. years. And... Uh, I'm sure you have a lot of fun there, but uh, we do. Yeah. We, we want to see you uh, continuing to thrive in your role and you. uh, keep doing, keep going above and beyond mm-hmm. to uh, make sure that everything is ready for the team every week, which yep, is, uh, that's,
0: that's basically it. Get ready.
1: <laughs> well, mate, all the best. No, thank you very it's much. It's been you. a great chat.
0: Uh, it has been. And yeah, I guess. Thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for watching I guys. Haven't, haven't bored you to death.
1: All the best. Cheers. We'll
0: see ya.